All right, everyone. Today, I'm really excited to welcome James Rose to the show. You know, if you follow this channel, you know about my, about my iCore framework, about input, control, output, refine. And in this case, we actually will talk mainly about the refine part, which is workflow automation and optimization. So I, I'm really happy to have James here on the show. I, I actually follow his YouTube channel and you should do so as well if you're really interested in getting the most out of Sapia and other automation tools. Welcome. Hey, Tom. Uh, I am really excited to help some people uh, with automation today. Like as uh, you've probably seen on my channel, I'm pretty passionate about I don't know being lazy. I guess <laughs> uh, I like automating things because it means I have to do less work. Um, and yeah, it's it's really cool, uh, flattering to hear that you uh, followed my YouTube channel because um, I'm pretty sure I follow yours. If not, I'm following you on Twitter at least. <laughs> Can't lose track of these things. But yeah, I mean, I have a software product called Content Snare. That's kind of my main business. Uh, it's a product that people use to collect information and documents from clients. So you can kind of think of it like a type form that automatically saves. Um, so people people use it to collect like documentation from their clients when they're onboarding new clients and that kind of thing. My side thing uh, is teaching people to become more productive and, and using Zapier to automate as much of your business as possible. And that's kind of flowed into Integromat and other tools now as well. And even like, I mean, I haven't really been teaching it yet, but home automation is becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> what I do is that, are they NanoLeaf? I see yeah. behind yeah, you there. Yeah, just finally somebody who knows the name and <laughs> appreciates the automation behind this. So, yeah. I appreciate how much that would have cost. NanoLeaf are not cheap, and that's a lot of them. Yeah, don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just joking here. So, yeah, it's actually all the way around. So I thought, wow. you know, I'm not one of these YouTubers with a few in the back sponsored things. I will just make it properly, and I just love it because especially my children love it as well. And they come mm. in, and they say, <clears throat> Siri, so I cannot say it, otherwise we will trigger it. <laughs> But they will have the dance show here and things like that, uh, you know, the different moods. I really love it, yeah. yeah so awesome. interested to have this uh, home automation as well. I also have a few things there, here and there for the heating and, um, you know, Philips Hue, um, lightning and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we are much further down the road with this um with with home automation than a few years ago, but I still think there are a few years to go in order to make it reliable, hundred percent. So yeah, maybe, I agree. Maybe it's we pretty dive good. Into this quickly, um, you know, with the bridges and everything getting connected and the standards they're implementing now with the home yeah. automations, I think that's a big step forward. Then mm -hmm. everything being disconnected, but yeah, what's your thoughts on this? But do you have auto? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like if you used home automation, I don't know, even three or four years ago, it was just not even close to where it is now. In fact, I've got uh, this device on my desk here that I'm probably going to resell on Facebook Marketplace. It's called a Logitech Harmony Hub. Mm -hmm. This was a infrared transmitter that you could, you know, communicate with Alexa to turn infrared devices on and off, like your TV, air conditioner. You know, make not not smart devices smart, and it is horrible. Like it, like for, as a remote, it's okay, but using with an Alexa, it's just so bad. Come on, um, and I just horrible. got a sixty dollars beginning. 
<laughs> Sorry? The, it's not horrible. It was the beginning of something. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I just got like a $60 device called a Broadlink RM4 mm -hmm. um, that I connected to my Alexa last weekend to replace this thing. And it is just perfect. It's cost 60 bucks and it's, it's already, it works with my air conditioner, my TV, my sound bar, um, can't remember, and my outdoor fan. And like it even, it speaks over radio frequency as well. So my outdoor fan, so I can oh, turn the, nice. the light up the fan on my deck on with it as well. And, and it just, it's flawless and instant. And so, you know, I do agree that there's a long way to go. Like the interface for Alexa is still a bit average. Google home is quite, um, average as well um yeah i don't know uh, but it's i think in five years it's going to be crazy good why why do we prefer alexa over google home or siri or uh Kit? so i'm not in the apple yeah <laughs> i'm not in the apple, oh, apple right. ecosystem that at all i know you are yeah. um I, I see some of your most popular videos are about the apple pencil i was having a little snoop at your youtube channel <laughs> um yeah i'm not gonna lie i don't really like apple as a company um but that said i'm also starting to not like google as a company so <laughs> right. um maybe i can be swayed to move over soon but um as far as voice recognition goes and capabilities i find alexa is just the best by far like it doesn't even uh from what i can tell with my friends who use siri I believe the the Android one is better from what I've seen, mm -hmm. um, but then also Alexa just destroys Google. Like it is so much better at certain things, you know. So uh, Alexa's not great with getting results from the web. Google is really good at like instant answers. If you ask it like, "What year Genghis Khan was born?" or something, like it's <laughs> it's got all the uh, search engine scraping stuff that they do now and it'll probably give you an answer where alexa likely won't yeah, um, but as far as control and, and normal everyday things alexa's good okay yeah i never had the chance to check out alexa so um and with apple it's really the thing when you start to be in the universe it drags you in i was a i was a windows user <laughs> microsoft user for so many years until I don't know it is three years ago where I, I went more and more or where I switched to the MacBook Pro from my Windows desktop but yep. the Windows desktop is still here for gaming so there's nothing <laughs> nothing comparable obviously and um, but yeah it is just in the Apple universe once you have everything from Apple everything works seamlessly and uh, <laughs> I told others already it's might sound stupid but my most favorite thing is just to copy paste. So I copy it on my iPhone and I paste it on my MacBook Pro and this is just so seamlessly. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, and a lot of little things like this or my Apple Watch unlocks my MacBook Pro when I, when I open it up and they, you know, mm -hmm. tiny things that you realize when you have the different pieces. So Apple is really good in you know, providing you this and having Apple TV as your home hub for the home kit and things like mm -hmm. that so yeah yeah there's definitely things some things that attract me to it um but also i'm kind of like i don't want to be that much in one ecosystem yeah, as well because really then you the can't issue. get out that, that's really the issue so um yeah. on this channel we are looking for tools that work cross device or i'm looking for myself that mm -hmm. work on cross device because i have to access the stuff also on windows and yeah macbook or apple in general 
is restrictive to many things. On the other hand, it has a lot of tools that are dedicated to Apple, not by Apple, but for Apple. And they are high quality. So yeah, there's pros and cons. Costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think nano leaves are the cheapest stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but okay. So this is all automated. Before we started, we actually talked about that it's 6 a.m. here in the morning and how I set up my alarm clock. And um, I just mentioned that I thought the alarm clock is one of the first automations humanity created, isn't it? So, and you told me just uh, how you set up your alarm clock. Maybe you want to share this with the community. Uh, yeah, it is quite a fun little automation because now I'm starting to like home automation and business automation have always kind of been separate to me, but in a way they're starting to merge now. And even just my simple alarm automation is, uh, is a, an example of that, I guess. Cause, um, so a couple of things, I don't like to sleep with my phone on next to me. So my, but I obviously want it for my alarm. So I use airplane mode. Uh, so I created a quick little routine in Google and this is possible with both Alexa and Siri as well. It's, it's pretty simple to set these things up now, but, uh, I say, um, I call out Google, I'm not going to say it, but, uh, and then I say, uh, good night. And she comes back and says, uh, your first meeting in the morning is at X time, right? So she might say eight o'clock, she might say like midday. And then I go, yes, like I don't need an alarm. <laughs> uh, so she'll read out the first event of the day and then, um, ask me what time I want to set my alarm. So I can either say no alarm or like, you know, 6 a.m. if it's an early podcast or something. And she'll set my alarm, turn off the bedroom lights uh, with Philips Hue. So she'll turn off the bed bedroom lights and then also put my phone to uh, into airplane mode. So that's pretty handy. That's just like a that's cool awesome. little automation just before so bed. Because I also, the benefit is I don't like to look at my phone. Yeah. either you know like uh like blue light and stuff i'm pretty bad at sleeping mm -hmm. so that's actually the reason i made that is so because i could just do that all quickly myself but i don't want to look at my screen yeah so um yeah it makes total sense but how did you set this up for those who don't know how this works yeah so that's just in in google home now so um i threw my phone away so i so guess you have to google calendar? podcast but sorry you, you're using google calendar uh, yes. So, uh, I don't know how it works if you're on another device, but yeah, it's uh, sorry, another calendar, but yeah. So it was just in the routines section for, is, uh, sorry, it's not Google home. It's for Google assistant. I like yeah, Google um, assistant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Google assistant and you can create a routine and I was literally just scrolling through the items, like the actions and things you can get it to do. And I was very surprised to see that one of them is, um, read out the first event of the day. Yeah. So, um, good night. so that was kind of pivotal. Sorry. Yeah. So good night and good morning. Uh, one of the standards in there, isn't it? That you can choose and then just change. And, you know, for mm -hmm. those who don't know, Google Assistant is the application that you download in order to control your hub or home devices for Google. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's on my, it's all on uh, every phone I've had for the last three, it's been on there by default. Yeah. So um, I don't even know if it's a thing you even have to download anymore. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, but it's just can, like Siri, right? It's, yeah, it's but you baked can in. use it. You can use it on iPhone as well. So there's the Google Assistant as well. As well, yeah. I used it a long time, and yeah, that's great. So 
reading out the events and then setting up the alarm. Uh, this is already live convenience stuff, isn't it? But maybe we, we dive a bit more into the workflow automations now. <coughs> and um, as far as I understand, you are into Sapia and Integromat. And I use Sapia in my business for a lot of things. So when, for example, new people sign up to the membership, um, it, sent, it, it is sent out to my accountant and things like that via Sapia. But I have to say, I hate Sapia to death when it comes to usability and okay. UI, UX. I mean, uh, and there comes in Integromat where you, you know, I like things that are, give me the perfect overview of the, the workflows or the, the systems that I set up. And I think Integromat makes a much better job when it comes to connecting the dots there and you have some better um, if conditions where you can split things. In SAP you have, you have paths, which is just confusing <laughs> for people. You know, I, I would have expected it would be a conditional thing, but things run in parallel and you can't drag and, you know, when you, when, we, when you create something down the line, and you want to move it up, there's no way to, <laughs> isn't it? So, oh, it's awful. It's so bad. But look, I think Integromat is no better. Like, I totally agree that getting a full overview on one screen, being able to see the whole workflow, amazing. And the way that you can watch the workflow run, yeah. amazing yeah. compared to Zapier, right? But I think that's where it basically ends yeah, as that, far yeah. as usability goes. That's why I never switched because I thought when it comes to reliability, just a, fee a gut feeling, I stayed mm. for Sapia there. Sorry for I that. actually find Integromat probably even better on that yeah. front. Um, I'm just talking about the usability side of things. So like, if you aren't a developer, I find Integromat's really, really hard to learn. Like, because some of the things you have to like you have to use inline functions, for example. Yeah. And those functions are literally like STR POS, like yeah. for string position. You know, if you, I think that's one of them anyway. But like, if you don't know development, how the hell are you supposed to know what that is? That's so true. it's a no code tool for people who know how to code, <laughs> is the way I look at Integromat, which is unreal. Like, I, I know how, to, if you know even basic coding, uh, Integromat's amazing. But once you start getting into like iterators and, um, array functions and all this sort of stuff if you don't know if you've never programmed anything you're in trouble like there's no way you're going to wrap your head around any of that i think if you've got a pretty good idea of zapier like you're an advanced zapier user with a little bit of um code knowledge integromat will be fine like for you but so i i teach people how to use zapier through a course uh, and the reason i haven't done that with integromat is because i don't know where to start you know like there's a lot of presumed knowledge in just basic like integromat stuff you know and so maybe that's the thing it's like i could create a course for people who know how to use zapier to come across to integromat but just to learn from scratch i think is a big deal yeah you could you could, build, you could build up up on your sapier course and if you want to have mm. something more advanced then you can go to integromat but i but yeah. i absolutely agree and I, I overlooked this, to be honest, because I'm not using Integromat yet. I looked into this uh, several times and then I thought, okay, let's just set up this in Sapia because you're right. It ended there when it came to actually getting these things in there and Sapia does a great job. 
um, holding your hand and you know you go through the several steps all the time and you have the standards there and then you have all the different Sapia um, home or the, the in-house tools from Sapia that helps you yeah. with the filter formatting reformatting and all this or reminders the digest yeah and things like that so yeah yeah I agree yeah. Um, it is much easier this way so quality of life could be increased features yeah uh, so for you know re moving around actions or something like that this would be a good thing to do <laughs> and you know less destructive things because you can mess up so quickly in sapia <clears throat> if you're working on a it's like you know operation on open hearts whenever i go into my sap so i rather make a duplicate of a sap then I rearrange and then I shut the one off and switch the other one on. And another thing where I think it's it's difficult when you pull in sample data. So, you know, for people who don't know, whenever you connect Sapia to any of your tools, let's say, what do we use, for example, the Google Calendar, let's put it this way, and you look for sample data, it just shows you some recent samples or let's stay with my membership. So I have the last three people who signed up, for example, but it only goes back so far. And if I'm looking for automation for refunds, for example, and there was no recent refund, I'm not able to get this sample in. So these are restrictions where I think, okay, what should I do there? So there's no solution or maybe I'm blind. Yeah, there. I mean, that is the world of automation. There is just so many different things you have to find workarounds for. You know, like, and, and a lot of time it is just easier to go ahead and create yourself as a user and refund yourself, you know, to, to get a real refund in there. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes Integromat suffers from the same problems. It depends on what, what yeah, the trigger is. Maybe Integromat doesn't help there either. I think it's a general thing, but yeah, on one hand, this is just complaining on, you know, on a high level where I think <laughs> We are lucky that we have something like Sapia. Yeah. And it is so satisfying once we find workarounds and things start to work and data comes in and out. And then yeah, it is. It's. It, I feel like a wizard. I always joke that like yeah. when, when you get an automation going and it just runs and it's flawless and you're like, wow, I never have to do this again. You feel magic. Yeah. It's pretty awesome feeling. Yeah, it is like this. And you can look for others who don't know about Sapia and you create this. You are the wizard for them as well. <laughs> yes. So, but talking about Sapia and Integromat, I think that's just one thing. We have the direct integrations between tools. And I'm not talking about the tools itself. There are still other um, automation tools like Plexi, for example. That's something I talk a lot on my channel, if you don't know about this. It is a two-way synchronization between Todoist and a lot of other tools. So Todoist or Microsoft To Do. So mm -hmm. I use this to have um, two-way synchronization with my Google Calendar. I know Todoist has this uh, on its own already, but it is tightly integrated. So I can, for example, use now Asana, have a two-way synchronization with Todoist, and Todoist has a two-way synchronization with my Google Calendar. And therefore, I have a workaround that my Asana becomes a two-way synchronization with my Google Calendar. Uh -huh. That makes sense. So whenever mm -hmm. I move around my um, 
events or my tasks on my Google Calendar, it gets updated in Asana or now ClickUp and so on. Um, mm -hmm. So it seems Plixi is not something that you're aware of? No, I mean, I don't, I only use one calendar. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of different automation tools out yeah. there that are you know, special use cases. Uh, you know, like PySync yeah, is another one. It's two yeah, two-way sync for contacts. But, you know, a lot of the time I find that uh, direct integrations, like th this is different because there, it is a different in-between purpose-built tool mm. that's like clearly made to solve a very specific problem. Yeah. Totally fine with that. I find direct integrations often end up kind of half-baked. Okay. So like a lot of software companies will create an integration with another tool um, just to say they've yeah, got yeah, an integration. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I I say rather have some integration than none. Looking at Notion, for example, <laughs> so you're completely disconnected <laughs> from everything. But then I see also I agree. You know uh, that you have, for example, you can connect Asana with Miro. Miro is a, a whiteboard, mm -hmm. or a, what I use for mind mapping. And you can get in the tasks into Miro and then drag them around and things like that, but you can't do anything else. So they're just there. So this is what yeah. is half-baked. I absolutely agree with this. Yeah. But it's interesting to have something like Plexi who are giving the same connection, but give you a lot more features uh, in order to set this up. And then it's really helpful. And PySync as well. This was a solution mm -hmm. for me. I'm using uh, Intercom on my website for chat and support and it is just premium there but it's is it is crap when it comes to email marketing so i'm yeah. using active campaign in com combination and pysync yeah. just syncs this with each other the issue is they charge you so much money for this <laughs> uh, yeah well, it's owned by hubspot now so that's not surprising yeah. um what, what did you say that you're syncing with active campaign what's the other product intercom Oh, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. The... Yeah, so we actually do trying to do the same uh, sync, but see, and this is a lot of a problem with a lot of my integrations typically. So we need to synchronize intercom companies with an active campaign, and PySync does not support companies, so that just makes it completely useless for us. And every time I go to use PySync, there's like one little thing missing. It's like missing this uh, custom field section yeah. for like our, our um, subscription service, uh, Chargebee. Uh, you know, it's missing. It doesn't work with like the one or two custom fields that I need don't come through. So again, it's like useless. And I, I like want to use PySync, but it, it's always missing what we need. Yeah, I, I was just going back to active. So Intercom started their series, as they call it. So mm -hmm. you can create your campaigns. And I thought, okay. Which is nice. Yeah, which is nice. I thought this as well, the interface and everything. And I thought, oh my God, finally, I have an alternative. I don't need to stay in active campaign. I have one tool now. I canceled the subscription. I went to Intercom, built up mm -hmm. all this thing and it didn't work. It was just not reliable. Some, you know, some triggers uh -oh. never went down. And I was in the support section and, you know, going back and forth and there, you know, there's a big delay for four days or something until they answer. And I say, okay, yeah. I'm, I tried to run a campaign here and it's not working. This is just <laughs> not the thing. So you can't release this feature and you can't rely on it. So I set up another series for my free um, email course that you can get where you learn about the ICO framework. And it was just not working. And you know, they, they, they provide you now a series 
but you can't have a form for people to sign up to this email letter. And the, the, the other thing is, if people unsubscribe, they unsubscribe forever from Intercom, isn't it? Yes. Campaign. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's one of my biggest problems. Thank exactly. you. Yeah. There's so, a workaround, uh, however. There's a workaround. Uh, I was using <laughs> Gravity Forms because I'm on WordPress and tried to set up. So you can use it with tags and people just go to a specific website and the series would stop because that's the exit. Uh -huh. So they just unsubscribe this way. <laughs> But it is just not transparent. Yeah. So in active. So I use Integramat for the same thing. I have a special link that will just cancel the one series that they are in. It uh, it it goes. It opens a webhook to Integramat when they click a link in the email and then redirects them to my website. And then the Integramat workflow removes the tag from them in uh, Intercom to shut down the the onboarding. But like, yeah, I so I honestly I don't believe Intercom is a good marketing tool at all. It is made for support. We yeah. use it because it's great for yeah, supporting awesome. current customers. As a marketing tool, it's just, it's not there yet. But wow. I am disappointed to hear about the series because our entire onboarding has just been shifted there. And I did not know that it has issues sometimes not working because I can see people going through it, but I haven't checked if everyone is going through it. So. Now I got to go and look at that. It was even uh, one of these series I tested was even one of the templates they provide. So, you know, mm. like this, um, are you interested in this and this? They click yes, then you can download a free demo of my digital journal designer. So the bot, they answer yes, and this triggers sending out an email. So people click yes, and 80% they received the email and for the other 80, uh, 20% they were just dropped off the series. So I can't, you oh. know, I had to build a workaround to give them a tag to re-enter the series in order to get them back. And I thought, okay, if things like this happen, this shouldn't happen because I want to yeah. set this up and then I want to forget it. So mm -hmm. this never happened in active campaign uh, to me, mm. at least to my uh, active campaigns far from being a perfect tool either, though. I have <laughs> a lot of beef, yes. a lot of beef. I'm an active campaign partner, it says so on my mug, um, but I, I have a lot of beef with them. Um, their UI has been super slow lately, yeah. like unbelievably slow. And I hate, I literally hate going in to change anything because it's so unbearably slow to use. Yeah. That, that's that's one of the yeah. reasons uh, for intercom as well that I switched. Mm -hmm. um, Why can't anyone get this right, Tom? I don't know. <laughs> I always think I should start my own stuff, and then I think, nah, there must be reasons why. The, the, the issue is really a lot of these companies like Active Campaign and uh, what could I think of as well? You know, they started True. a long oh Evernote for example. <laughs> uh, yeah. They started a long time ago and it was great back then, but the framework mm -hmm. and everything is no longer made yeah. for what you want to do in there. And the functionalities that you have in Active Campaign and also the integrations with other tools. Yeah, so th this is another point, isn't it, that we can do much more. Mm -hmm. Um this is one of the reasons why it is still there. But now they also try to start this conversation thing. So I, I thought, okay, then let's do the other way around and make the chat window there. And oh my God, just so you have it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, just... and well, this is a whole topic I could talk about for days uh, <laughs> in, in like jack of all trades, master of none 
You know, this is a thing that I see a lot of software companies doing. I mean, I don't exactly have the most successful software company, so maybe it's not even worth listening to me. But personally, I hate it when tools try to do everything because yeah. they end up doing everything poorly. You know, exactly. and that, uh, Infusionsoft got the name Confusionsoft. Yeah, exactly. Confusionsoft because they try to do all this crap, landing pages and yeah. this and that and yeah. payments and subscriptions and, and you know, affiliate, like they're, they're doing everything in one tool. And then they started doing everything half-baked again, yeah. you know? And so I always loved Active Campaign because it had a really good CRM, well, a decent CRM and really good email marketing. And that's what they did. And then they brought in conversations. I was like, oh, this is cool. I was like a little bit excited. Yeah. And then I was like, this is rubbish. <laughs> and it's still rubbish. <laughs> and then... What do they bring in now? Landing pages. Yeah, now they're exactly. doing landing and pages. Thought, and I'm like, oh my God, now it's going and, down the road. And I'm like, your email editor is crap. It is that, it, <laughs> like, it is the worst email editor I've used. Yeah. And you're supposed to be an email marketing tool. Yeah. Rather like, focus this is on this and make it perfect. I thought exactly the same. I mean, undo things and things like that. Undoing <laughs> things in email uh, creation and active campaign, it's just insane. And, mm. Uh, then they create new con new features and this is for so many tools you know instead of mm -hmm. focusing to do one thing right <laughs> they just start other things i mean two things to do is for example they focus on mm -hmm. being a task manager and nothing else and they barely implement new features and what they do they do it well and they rather focus on integrations with other things so i can access my task click up they started with, you know, one app to replace them all. And then they realized, okay, we can't be a grocery list. I mean, you can be, but it's not the best tool for this. However, no. the approach from Seb Evans, he was on the interviews as well. We put it out there and, you know, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. It's the same thing. They, they push out a lot of features and they do this very quickly. And what I realized, they also fix things very quickly and then take it away. But it is fun for me to use, and and uh, you know, if you're a bit nerdy, you you like ClickUp. But I'm not sure. I implemented for clients as well, but I also implemented Asana, and Asana is a lot more restrictive. So you can't be the yeah. architect in there. But sometimes this is the better solution, not having yeah. so many features. But the features they are there. Asana is always up. It never let me down in, in the where mm -hmm. I implemented it there in the clients. I, I, yeah. I'm 100% on board with you on this. Like I was literally going to bring up ClickUp as a perfect <laughs> example of trying to do everything did you because it's their tagline. Yeah, did you actually? No, no, they changed it. They changed oh, did they? Line. So now it's it's no longer, let me just try to One app to replace them all. That's what it was. Yeah, and that was, it was, it was, only, it was that, that like two weeks ago. Because Layla, she was on the show as well from Process Driven. She actually tweeted about oh, this yeah. and she uh, figured it out. Oh, still says it for me. Oh no, yeah, one place for all your work. Exactly, that's uh, what they but changed. They haven't, they haven't changed their uh, meta title. The meta title still says one app to replace them all. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yep, my, in the tab title uh, in Google, it says, uh, yeah, one app to replace them all, but then it says one See, place and for this your is work. What, what, you know, this is when you mess up. You you change one feature and then yeah. you know, you you're going 
Dallin, so I'm like actually looking that. to switch away from ClickUp. I really, really liked ClickUp at first. I used to use them every time we were rolling out a, a new feature for our product. I used yeah. to use them for inspiration on UI UX, mm. um, but I've stopped doing that now because I honestly find it overcomplicated and um, navigation is just yeah. a pain. It mm. is just not intuitive enough, I think, especially when you know, open up tasks and then going back and you always click wrong. And now mm. building up the team, I think it is fine when, when you make it simple and you don't allow people to change stuff. But yeah. if people start doing their own stuff in there. But on the yeah. other hand, what, what do, are your thoughts on the other one that claims to be the all-in-one, which is Notion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I use Notion too. Um, yeah. I, I like it. Um, I'm not using it for an all-in-one. I'm using it for note-taking and like internal documentation, keeping yeah. track of like our feature ideas, uh, what we're working on next. Um, we're only just moving our company into it. Like we started last week or two weeks ago, like it's brand new. I've been using it personally as an Evernote replacement yeah. um, for quite a while. And I don't mind it for that. I wish it had APIs. I know that's coming. Um, but you know what? I've been having a look at Coda. Yeah. Coda looks really good. What do you think of Coda? I just had a um, project and design head of project and design from Coda an interview. And okay. it changed a lot of, of my thoughts about this because they really focus on building these building blocks and automations and so on and integrations with other tools. Mm -hmm. And that sounded really exciting. And their approach is really that you can build up your workspace the way you want it. And I'm, I'm, uh, on and off user of Coda, where I always go back and see, you know, how I could use it. I like the approach. Um, it is the availability on the different tools now, where I think um, Notion is different and also the pages. So when I have a database, for example, and I have an item in there, it is a page. So I can open it up and I can add whatever I want to this item. I think that's mm. not a thing in Coda yet. They're planning to work uh, on this, but it is just the information that you have in the columns, isn't mm. it? You can't do anything. That's interesting. Yeah, because I haven't given it a proper go yet um, because I, I really have a problem with the way Notion databases work. Like I often have issues with them, like copying and pasting in bulk data is annoying. I actually have often find myself falling back to Airtable for database. I just things. wanted to ask if you would, if you are using yeah. Airtable for that. Yeah. I literally right before this call, I was building an automation with Integromat and Airtable. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I, I really like it, but what I don't like is that it's a kind of, yeah, I it's find a table. it just too separate. Sorry. It, it is a table. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, so it's good for I, some things. So what I built up in Notion is actually not databases. So for example, having a software database where the software is in there, and then I have my YouTube videos and I can just connect the software with my videos. And this way I see all the videos I made on the software and back and forth. I can do this in Airtable as well. Um, so it would make sense to really build up databases. But I think 
Notion is a great hybrid. When I now want to take notes, I can mention this data, this data, mm -hmm. and I have now the backlinks. And you know, people call me out for that, that I say I like the backlinks more than I like them in Rome Research. They said, oh, "Oh, you have so much more things you can do in Rome Research." I understand that, but it's not that, that that's not what I need in Rome Research. Uh, that's not what I need from the backlinks. I just want to mention the stuff and see it on the other side where it was mentioned. That's all I need from, from the backlinks in Notion. So this is another feature that makes Notion separate from Airtable or Coda. Okay, so Coda doesn't have that feature yet? Not yet. I'm sure they will. I was talking um, about this with uh, on this interview as well. Um, yeah. From a technical point of view, backlinks is no magic. So I, I wondered about this. I, I was talking to yeah. Small from Evernote, the CEO, and I said as well, you know, it is it is the mindset of humanity, I think. And this changed a lot during COVID as well, I guess. Um, because Ian Small said that only 2% of the users of Evernote actually use tags in Evernote. And I oh. said, okay, but I think the reason is that people don't understand the advantage of text over folders. So this is why I also teach about this, that you more flexible using text uh, to find information or connect information. And this is when Rome Research came in, you know, having these backlinks and building up this, this graph in the background and so on. Um, this is a good approach, but we are not there yet that we can really leverage the information that is created this way. That's just my thinking. And, and staying at Evernote, I stay in Evernote for one reason. I'm using it for my document dump. So I have the scanner back there. It scans to Evernote. This is not possible with Notion or any other alternative yet. So I can, Evernote is the, for me the best thing. So I've, it is OCR. I find my stuff later on. Oh, I can automate it cool. using uh, Filterize. So Filterize is an automation tool for Evernote. And, um, so when something scans in and it recognizes the title, it will just move it directly to the folder, creates reminders for this and so on. I'm not even oh, wow. using it, but it is it is working this way. And this was my reason. And if, you, if I hear people saying I switched from Evernote to Notion or any other alternative, I wondered why. But then I realized, okay, so many people use Evernote for note taking. And that's something I never used Evernote for. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many options now, eh? and like you know, I I think I really need to get better at the whole sort of note taking thing. Like I'm pretty bad at it at the moment, um, so I haven't even really used backlinks, and I don't often just write out my thoughts and link to other things. Like I've seen videos on how people use Rome, and I'm like, I just don't think I operate this way. Like people are like they talk about human, it's better for humans. And I'm just wondering, maybe I'm actually a computer. Oh come on, because I kind of like folders and come databases. On, Let's put it as it is. It looks ugly. And when I want to want to build up nice pages with my information in there, I want to look at it and it looks nice. So Notion, I can do this. I can through, throw anything in there like videos and whatever. And I have work instructions for my team. Just looks great. So you can't do this mm. in ClickUp still. And uh, mm. Rome Research is far from this. However, this being said, authors maybe can leverage from this. I'm not a writer. So and 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 that's what i teach or coach my my members as well um take the notes where they belong to so there's no need for a proper note taking app i would say in many cases 
mm. because if you if you're a team leader or something like that and you go into the teams i don't like it when five people sit around everybody's taking notes in their own notebooks and information <laughs> is all over the place and one person in the end of the meeting sends out an uh, meeting minutes and this gets dumped in the archive for everybody and two weeks later you have exactly the same meeting talking about the same thing again so instead of <laughs> i say come on just open up the task you're talking about take a mm -hmm. comment there and everybody is aligned and this is so quick fixes so yeah mm -hmm. I'm not a note taker either for that reason. I like uh, so like, uh, I mean, pretty much the only like stuff I use day to day is like random content ideas that I have, you know, like, um, and I, I use a database for that. You know, I just add another row uh, about like a concept, yeah. you know, that like I, I was thinking about like, I don't know, just writing a little bit about YouTube or something the other day. So, so I create like a, a line in a database in Notion. I open it as a page, you know, which is why when you said Coda doesn't have, don't have that, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I, and I start writing about it and then I tag it with um, specific to that database tags. These aren't global tags, just literally like what medium I, you know, I think this is, this is uh, good for Twitter and a video, a YouTube video, you know, so I put tags on for mediums I can turn this into. Um, you know, and then I have like columns for like when I actually create a video or whatever from it. So I know I'd use that idea. Um, so I can filter it out like that. That's pretty much the only day to day note taking that I use, you know? Yeah. I like this with the text and the purpose. So that's what I actually set up in ClickUp and the forms. So actually on my, on my iPhone, I have, uh, the forms as a button and I just click this and the form goes up and I enter the title and the short description, what I, mm -hmm. what the idea is about also switch the text. And it's, this creates the new row and you have this available also in, mm -hmm. in Notion, no, but uh, Airtable and so on, you have forms as well, isn't it? Yeah. And, but how do you, and that's really an interesting question. How do you handle, because this fills up very quickly, isn't it? And then mm -hmm. I starting to repeat myself with ideas sometimes, and then, you know, how do you keep this up to date? Start, do you start deleting old stuff or merging stuff? So you keep it small. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really got to that, um, point yet. So a lot of times I'll just, I'm obviously just filtering things out so that I can't see them once I've written about them, but it's also all there. Like to, to view all, when you have an idea, you can kind of look at what you've written about before. And yeah. obviously there's part of your own memory there. Like there's always, you can't really stop the fact that you will forget about things, you know, like you can search for keywords and see if you've written about something similar before, if it gets too big, but sometimes it's okay to write a new take on something, right? Yeah. It is just getting it out of your mind and have peace mm -hmm. of mind for this reason. So yeah, I don't want to forget. I think that's, that's great mm -hmm. using drafts. Oh, I think that's only an Apple thing. Um, so when I'm driving, there was, a big issue for me while driving after most ideas. <laughs> so uh, using uh, drafts on my Apple watch, I'm able to talk to this and take the notes this way. I mean, I can do this with Evernote as well, whatever you want. Okay. But uh, this way I had peace of mind as well, that at least I got it somewhere saved instead of ho holding on a parking slot and start typing. Yeah. So I don't take any large notes while driving, but I'm, I'm a good, um, Thing, uh, another automation tool is ifttt.com that's got a really good google assistant 
integrations. So you can create custom commands to do something That's like add, add something to my to-do list and it'll go ahead, like you plug it into whatever to-do system you're using. So that's how I dump my thoughts uh, while I'm driving, but it's not, yeah, it's always, it's like just a to-do item rather than a full stream of consciousness consciousness thing. But for stream of consciousness, I tend to use Otter, mm -hmm. Otter.ai, because yeah. um, it's pretty good uh, transcription and, and then it'll, uh, you can say, dump that to your to-do list as well, like or you can automate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we are back in automations there. So IFTTT, good that you mentioned this. Actually, I have IFTTT included as well. So my nano leaves actually blink blue if somebody signs up to my membership. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that is really and cool. I, Damn it, I need to do something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I have a Lametric, you know this. Uh, so many YouTubers have this as well, the Lametric clock there. So it knocks on the door whenever somebody signs up. So it knocks and it blinks blue and it just, yay. And it shows the name who signed up. So yeah, that's great. Nice. What was the clock? Sorry. La metric. La metric. I have something online might need to look at. I don't know what that is. So you can do a lot of, especially the IFTTT integration with this works great. And you can use web hooks there to trigger it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that looks really cool. I'm going to have to, uh, have a look at that. Another thing to you blow actually, some money you actually on. can set up a button that triggers Sapia on there and IFTTT buttons. So you have a button on top yeah. when you when you press this button, it will trigger an IFTTT automation. Okay. Wow, this looks really cool. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow, it's not cheap though. Whew. Yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> but you know it's worth it that you, i can see this uh, the clock <laughs> mainly it's <on> the <laughs> clock and the date <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a quite expensive way to see the time and date yeah. but, uh, but i'm sure when there's when some other fun stuff you can do when you connect it with the automation it makes sense you know i have the clock and the date mm. and whenever automation comes in it switches to this and shows me the information and then it goes back it's like mm. a news ticker yeah have a look very cool so man James, it was nice to have this conversation with you. It was, I think, all over the place, but very it interesting, was. very many similarities here business-wise, where, where we, what we're tackling. And um, just let my people know where they can find you and subscribe your channel. Yeah, sure. So um, I am a guy, if you search jimmyrose.me on YouTube, I should show up. Also, if you just go to jimmyrose.me, my website all my socials are there my newsletters there if you're interested you know occasional stuff about productivity and automation it's probably the best two spots i was going to say um i'm on jimmy uh twitter at underscore jimmy rose but i i took a twitter course this morning and now i'm seriously considering removing that underscore mm -hmm. so i might have to create two accounts and <laughs> just redirect the old one to the new one <laughs> so james thank you very much for being on the show and i hope we will have a follow-up because that was very interesting i think we just scratched the surface here yeah uh tom thanks thanks for having me and i yeah i'd love to do that you know maybe we can uh focus on on one topic instead of uh talking about everything automation so. yeah but i think it was it was a nice uh to have a work around through how everything works together. So I think mm -hmm. that was great. All right, then see you next time. <laughs> see you, Tom.